0: Hello and welcome to the Remaining Sane Finding Peace in Our Chaos podcast, a podcast about both theology and police work. I'm your host, Will, and in today's episode, I interview a police officer and longtime podcaster, Mr. Steve Gold. In the previous episode with Dr. Justin Barnard, one of the things that we talked about in our active combat against nihilism is the importance of storytelling. So just as a reminder, this podcast is an exploration into the hypothesis that if a police officer is not actually pursuing the body of Christ, if he is not actually pursuing Christ, then he will more than likely end up nihilistic, cynical, or substance abuser. And one of the things that uh, dr barnard talked about in the previous episode is the importance of storytelling for police officers so today i have on probably the most well-known storyteller of for police stories in the country right now and that is uh oh, mr steve gold <laughs> thanks brother man it's an honor to come on yeah um steve can you go ahead and give us a little bit of a you know a little bit of background What what you do what you're role in and outside of law enforcement is?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm, a, I'm currently a, a sergeant at a small regional police department. So where I work is in considered like the hill towns of Western Massachusetts. So there's, um, because of police reform and things like that, their towns are starting to kind of combine to save money and all those things. So a small department. Um, before that, I was, uh, I've been in law enforcement 16 years total. I started at the Eastern part of the state. Then had a little break, a little uh, mid thirties life crisis, and we moved to California for four years, where I got the opportunity to work for um, uh, LAPD backgrounds. I worked, uh, investigated insurance fraud. Then came back to Mass, um, having Christ in my heart. (laughs) Left without it. I believe it or not, I left uh, a godless state like Massachusetts. I went to a more godless state like California. (laughs) Even my pastor out there was like, "Who comes to California to accept Christ?" (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then I came back here, but it's, um, it's made all the difference in my, well, first of all, in my entire life. And I'm really passionate about it. Cause I'm not, you know, I was raised, I know this is like not part of the question you asked me, but when, yeah. once you spin this top, uh, I can't stop.
0: <laughs> no, go for it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, um, I raised Roman Catholic and I never, there was a lot of, um, when I look back on it, there was a lot of just kind of like going through the motions and I, I include like CCD in that there was a lot of like, um, a lot more fear than like the saving grace of Christ. There, there was a lot more fear rather than reading and understanding scripture. You know what I mean? Um, so that, that's kind of like how I got soured to it and I ended up in California came to my wife and I were just going through a, um, a hard time in life, like spiritually, like it was, it, we didn't realize at the time now looking back, we do, but you know, we paid money to do, um, transcendental meditation certification. (laughs) Uh, My wife was doing like yoga. She went to a psychic. Like I'm talking like we were wide open to anything. Mm -hmm. Um, and let me quiet that. Sorry, bud. So we, my wife was really having a harder time than me. I was just kind of, you know, Pretty, pretty much, not quite, but pretty much an nihilist. You know, I just like whatever. Me, I, I really always had. I shouldn't say that because I always had in my heart that there was something greater than me. There was a God. Some, there was something like I. Because I know. Because when I got stressed out or when I got into tight situations, I would say things like, "God, if you're there." Yeah. And you know, if you're doing that alone out loud to yourself, like, He's He's put it in our hearts. We I know He's there you know yeah. but i i was there too much ego involved in uh you know being control and the, the being in control and the whole movement the new age movement that we were kind of getting sucked up into is a lot about you're the god you you make the rules you decide yeah. your destiny you believe it you can see it you can have it yeah. um that when I mean, we weren't like wackos but that was kind of like the train of thought you yeah. know what i mean that's
0: something that i've been um I'll bring up Chesterton again. Uh, so G.K. Chesterton is a philosopher uh, just prior to C.S. Lewis. It's kind of when his his time was. So yeah, I listened late. to some of his stuff. Yeah. So late 1800s, early 1900s. Um, one of the things that he talks about is that as a society becomes rationalistic, as it loses God and tries to rationalize him all the way out, then that then that society becomes insane. And so, because there are some things about God that are, we're ne- we're never going to understand. They're they're wholly mystical. Um, and so, I well, I've seen a lot in states that have gone quote unquote atheist or just you know not pursuing the the Christian God. Is that there's a, there's a there's a loss of meaning, and then people want to try to find meaning a lot of times in and of themselves because once again, as humans, we know that there is something special about the human race, right? There, there is something different between the squirrels and the, the koalas and the dogs and the, you know, the, the animal kingdom, rather the earth and us.
1: And that's what vegans try to erase with the vegan (laughs) movement. Yeah. Like they have, Um,
0: they're, they're like us. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but like we, we, we're, we're trying to you know, glorify ourselves, but we, we also know that we're not perfect. And especially being police officers, you know, doing our job, not only makes you more in tune with the sin around you, mm. but it also makes in tune with your own sin because then you realize that, you know, I'm messing up here and this is stuff that I see that, you know, I may have a, a problem with or, or criticize and then I turn around and do the same thing. Um, so, Getting beyond that, you've you were in California, found found Christ in California, and then you came back to Western Massachusetts, is that correct? Yeah,
1: yeah. So we when we were out there, it was kind of like the sun was setting on my police academy certification because when I was with LAPD, I was a civilian background investigator. So it's not a sworn position in Massachusetts at the time would allow you five years total out of service mm-hmm. before you had to redo a police academy. So the combination of that the, the big, the big impetus was my parents getting older and we had another child when we were here and we were like, you know, every time we saw my parents, it was like six months or a year later. And they just, they looked older every time. You know what I mean? You're like, Oh my gosh, they're aging before my eyes. And, um, so we wanted to get back here to be with our family, to be closer to our family. Yeah. So we started there, um, Baptist church. And I think, I think the baptizing worked because it, it's the teeth is antithesis of Catholic it's yeah. like guy on stage big yeah. screen behind them they're singing the pop Christianity songs and it's kind of like I've never seen church like this this is this is like you know no limits it's just like no tradition nothing that's mm-hmm. you know just me and God like personal relationship which is very appealing which you can have in you know um, mainline Christianity as well but not not the guitar and the big screen but yeah. like the relationship um so it was very uh appealing to us and a lot of amazing things happened after we were drawn, we're basically, you know, called to Christ through the gospel that it, it's, it's so hard to say. Cause it's like, you know, that's the power of God to believe. So like I get, unco- I'm so legalistic about it, which is not good, but like, I hate to say I accepted Christ cause it's like I hadn't, you know, that's the work of the Holy spirit. Um, yeah.
0: There's a lot of mystery behind that, and yeah. But also, I, I I get why people say that. I understand why people say that, and I also understand when people don't like using that term.
1: Right. There's nothing uh, wrong with it, but it, yeah, it, it yeah. kind of bothered me. But so, anyways, during the pandemic, our 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 little church we were going to was part of a bigger campus, and a new head pastor came in, very nice guy, and it became like they did like a talk on BLM. And this, this church I went to had like a high number of police officers that went to this church. And we were all kind of like, what the heck's going on with the church? They're they're bringing in a black pastor to talk about his childhood. And it's like, it was kind of like rubbed us the wrong way. We were like, uh, not what I'm here for type of deal. And then they kind of completely shut down, hard shut down and really dragged it on through the pandemic. Just all online. And the online part was mostly worship stuff. Um, uh, like, uh, singing and songs and all that, um, high production value, all, all that. But so we watched, believe it or not, we just watched, uh, um, the whole time we were doing this, we started to think, why are there so many denominations? It's ca- kind of driving us crazy. Like, cause we start reading about other ones and we're like, I don't know. So we, we went back to the reformation we watched a documentary on Martin Luther. So right now we are what you would consider orthodox lutheran if there's such a no one uses that yeah. but it's lcms lutheran so we the faults martin luther found with the church and the tradition it had built of abuse the the abusive parts that he got rid of is kind of where we start and i appreciate all christian de- denominations that are similar to that cuz we had tossed the church fathers out and my point was, I want to know what the disciples of the apostles were doing. I want to know what the early church was doing, like the, the Catholic church in the beginning, like before it was, you know, what was their tradition and why did they do it? Because we were being told at the Baptist church, like, you know, baptism is, he would say before baptism, like, this is, there's nothing special about this. There's no magic happening here. This is just an outward sign. Um, and then we read, I just put all the places they mentioned baptism in the new Testament on one piece of paper. And I was like, it seems like it's more than that to me. It just yeah. seems like it. And then the Lord's supper, same thing. Um, I know like between Calvinists and Anglican and Lutheran, it gets, there's a real nuanced, like that doesn't like get in my head and bother me. Like I, it's the Lord's supper. And I believe it's a baptism, Lord's Supper, our our sacraments, and they're a a free gift to strengthen faith from God. Um, And that's it. Baptism is saving, but it's not absolute. Because what I like about the Lutheran church is they don't, like you said, the mystery of God. They don't try to figure out or come up with something like transubstantiation, like the Catholic churches with the Eucharist. They just kind of say, like, this is kind of a mystery. People were saved without baptism, but it seemed to be laid out as a preferred method to be saved you know what i mean yeah
0: and yeah that, that's something that um you know once again we we can't rationalize everything around us because god inherently is mysterious and we we will um we will never understand all the you know the workings that well first of all we're never going to understand all of jesus' actions until we see the face of the father number two no, we're no. never going to understand how the Holy spirit works in, in the world until we see the face of the father. And number three, we're never going to understand the father until we see the face of the father. <laughs> and so, right. um, and so, you know, the, there's, there's a lot of mystery. And w- once again, you know, this is not to dog on the, the goal of this podcast is not to dog on people's religious denominations. Right. So we we're not I, here. Yeah. yeah. And I don't believe
1: those people aren't, are like not saved or anything. At no, all. no, like we're, we're not here. That's not what I'm saying. You
0: know, like they, you know, once again, i was say it in 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 the baptist church. um from what i understand you return to the church through the baptist church. we're not here to you know sit here and dog on people. right. um but one of the things that i've i've really wanted to stress is that the the sacramental lifestyle that um for me it's the anglican church, for other people it can be different churches um has provided has it is really one of the the biggest driving forces to keep me from going insane while doing this job, right? Because we see all kinds of absolutely wild, crazy, and and especially you, right? You you don't necessarily see it in Western Massachusetts every day, but you're interviewing people, you know, once or twice a week, right? Can you go ahead and, you know, go ahead and get, get into your, what, what your podcast is and like how that started and all that.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So, sorry I got in the weed so much with the, no, you good. you're good. i just, <laughs> I like talking about that stuff. It's, yeah. like, it, it's important to me. Um, yeah. So when I was at LAPD backgrounds, I was out of police work for that stint, but backgrounds is made up of every, everyone from special agents, chiefs of police, captains, lieutenants, detectives, um, guys injured on duty and sworn police officers. So it's this huge unit at LAPD that makes up this, they take on a lot of different walks of life in law enforcement. So we'd have lunch every day and I would sit there and I would listen to like these guys, some of these guys had like 40 plus years on LAPD and they would tell these stories that were just like unbelievable, but they would tell them to us because we're, we were fellow cops, whether active or not in a certain way. That was like, no holds barred, just like what really happened, how they felt about it. I thought it was incredible. And the national climate for police was only getting worse all the time. And I just thought like, if I could get these stories out to just even the general public, anybody willing to hear, or even give it a shot to hear, I think it would make a huge difference. If people could really see what these men and women do on it, like the real job they do from even from the, the deputy from the Midwest to the copper at New York city, like, cause it's all interesting. Like people love to hear a cop tell their stories. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that was kind of what sparked it. And then I was like, well, these guys talk to me. I don't know. I don't know if they'll talk to me being recorded. And they started to, and the background unit in LAPD was like the birthplace of it. And I was able to just like at lunch, be like, Hey, would you do the podcast? Would you, would you? And way more than I thought were willing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the stories they told and retirees are great too, because they're like, they don't care. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I can
0: retire whenever I want. They're still paying me my pension. I can, and I can say what I want. That's exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So they were, they were telling me and, um, I started doing it diligently and I did it for like seven months and you know how it is. Cause you're, you're starting to do a podcast now and, um, it'd be, it starts to be a grind and then, all those motivational memes you see a bit like keep grinding and all this stuff start to just be like oh because i was getting you know 150 30 20 listens per episode and i'm like man people really aren't hearing it you know um so i took a break and i took like almost a year-long break and i I signed back to my account because i didn't erase the podcast i just left it up and there had been downloads like a uh, 50 to hundred downloads a day since I'd stopped. Like, it, <laughs> so I hadn't produced anything new and I started getting these emails from people like, Hey, why'd you show, stop the show? It's so great. I'm like, well, I never heard from you when I was doing it. Like I got no encouragement. Mm-hmm. Um, so I picked it up again with a lot more, um, uh, stricter, you know, I was a lot more, um, regimented. And I was like, I'm going to really do this thing and follow through with it. And that's when I started to see after a year doing that, that's when the, hundreds of downloads became thousands of downloads and um, now I'm happy to say the show I mean per month gets about 40,000 listens which you know if you told me that four or five years ago I'd be like no that will never happen you know
0: yeah I actually uh, in preparing for this I googled uh, best police podcasts and if you look at any top five lists this makes it the uh, the things police see. Um, so it's i hope you're encouraged with that you know I, I think and i think that you are actively doing something good like you know for not only police officers but the you know the, uh, everyone who listens to it right you know everyone's entertained by um, some good police stories but it's also important for 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 these to to get out because uh, you know we we a lot of people think that you know cops are not you know, humans like, yes, we are (laughs) like, we, we love uh, violence.
1: We love tragedy. Yeah.
0: Like, you know, that we're, um, or that we're, you know, superheroes and we're not either, you know, I get just as scared and nervous and you know, whatever as the next person. But, um, you know, the, I, I truly believe that being a police officer, like being a priest, um, is a vocation It is a calling. And you know, you can have all kinds of different people from different kinds of backgrounds, whether they're, you know, 18 generations of police officers all the way to, you know, my family is very academic. There's no police, any kind of any of that in my family. Um, And I've found everyone, you know, the, the guy that one of the guys that I work with, he didn't have power in his house till he was 16 years old. Um, Wow. Yeah. That kind of hillbilly. And then, um I've got another one who um you know she does she doesn't have to do this job she used to like own restaurants and stuff and this is just you know what she likes to do um oh, but God she's luster. that's yeah, great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, she's got kids and everything and, and so but you know this is a you're gonna find all kinds of different people and so what that leads to is all kinds of wild crazy stories because you know not only do we live in fantasy land known as the united states uh with all the crazy stuff that can happen here right but you know we've got all different parts of the country um you know I, I think that you've learned that you know my area of the country is known for just we're known for having a lot of crazy people um and then just really wild insane stuff coming out of that um you know when i went on your story or your your podcast and you know, i told this insane, crazy story that actually happened.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That was a wild one. That was great.
0: Yeah. Good. Um, but you know, you've, I'm, I'm confident you've, you've, um, you've heard all kinds of just insane stuff. Um, would you mind, you know, I I don't want to, um, be like, you know, pick your craziest story ever. Um, but keeping it, uh, not explicit. Would you mind, um, telling us, you know what's what's the wildest story that y- you have seen on on the, or have heard in the, on the podcast?
1: Oh man, there are so I mean a lot of them are explicit and horrible. Um, you mean explicit like um, violent is okay, right? Violence fine, just don't use the language. Don't don't yeah. Okay, yeah. I don't. I don't I'm not a big swearer, anyways. Yeah. Um. So one um one totally insane one uh, from New York city. Um, oh, the guy's famous too. I should, I would have written it down. Oh, Ralph Friedman. He's like at the most arrests in like us, uh, in, uh, New York city history. They based TV shows off of movies. He had some of the most disturbing and crazy stories I've ever heard. So bad. I was cringing when he was telling me one of them, I think is even too the most, the most extreme one I think is just a little too. I don't know. It's really it's sexual and explicit and yeah. We don't need to get into that. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little bit over the top. I don't want to put any you know, bad thoughts in people's heads. But uh, another one he had was, um, on he you know, just piggyback this story to the one I just told you. That, that's just nuts. He had a a guy holding a little girl hostage in an apartment, and him and his partner that were there trying to talk him down and the guy had a butcher's knife just like a four-year-old girl and before they could do anything rather than surrender he just picked her up by the arm and lopped her arm off um she didn't make it she she ended up dying from that injury and these are the stories that like it gives you pause you know it's hard to interview when someone tells you something like that because you're like I'm very disturbed right now. Uh, I don't know what to say. Like, did you kill the guy? Like, what, what do you do with that? And this guy had so many stories like that. There were so... I mean, everybody's built different, but um, I might need some time off after that. You know what I mean? Um, and then, you know, we've had ones that are... Like, I had a uh, robbery homicide guy. I'm really sorry about that noise, bro. That's my water pump in my basement. Not a problem. All right. So, a robbery homicide guy from LAPD. Good, actually, a good friend of mine he um he solved a quadruple homicide with uh people burned alive that was like that was totally insane i've had officers pull up on the highway after a crash and uh just center double line human head just perfectly balanced on on the double center line i had one one crazy from down cell tell me about a a hit man a hit he discovered uh from a nine one one hangup hang up call yeah this is true <laughs> um, <laughs> Dude, that's one of that that's a wild one yeah oh yeah that, that yeah um I we, mean, we, that has changed actually how like in the county i work on i'm on a county board and i hear some of the bigger towns they go yeah we called back on the hang up and they said uh the kid was playing with the phone and they'll say close the call i'm all set i never close the call <laughs> i go to every nine one one hang up because of that story
0: yeah that, that yeah that, that's a really good one um at the end of this, I'll leave the link to that episode. Um, for this, oh, and then um, I can also just put your a link to your general website and all that. We'll, we'll hell at the end. Um, yeah, we and along those lines, we had someone in that same district, um, where that, all that happened. Um, there was an officer a few years ago who uh worked a wreck and kind of noticed that there was a smell going on at the back of one of the back of the cars and he asked permission for one of the officers to, uh, to open up the trunk of the car, opens up the trunk, there's a dead body in the trunk. Ugh. Um, and the dude had uh, killed his girlfriend and was just riding around with her body. And he was just sitting there desiccating in the trunk of the car. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just off a of normal, like no injuries wreck. Right. Um, the point that i I want to stress here that, with this, you know, all telling all these stories is that you know we we as police officers, um this something I've talked about before is that we are the intercessor between all the the bad stuff that happens in the public. So you know criminals, quote unquote, um or 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 even just like bad events. So like, you know natural disasters. Here we have tornadoes um and the the general public, right? So, you know, if, if there's something real bad going on, cops going to be there no matter what's going on. Um, and one of the things that, you know, we do is that are not only like, do we hear these things happen, right? We see these things happen. We smell these things, you know, we touch these things. we Unfortunately, sometimes we taste these things. (laughs) Um, and that is, is something that, um, I have noticed about our faith in, in so much as that we, when we, um, we worship Christ, right. When we want to, to glorify him, um, We have, God has given us essentially five vehicles to work, to interact with the world, right? We have our five senses. We have touch, taste, smell, um, hearing, and sight. That I I think for a cop, uh, especially using all five of those senses makes sense because we use our bodies. We're not just an intellectual people. Like we're, we are, you know, a, a physical people you know our bodies matter right right um and so you know having this is something that um one of our previous guests talk about is that we you know we we literally want to haste christ right in the in, the, in communion um ha- have you have you noticed that kind of like talking to a bunch of different cops that you know they're that there is a a sense in which, like, we're not just living in our heads; we're actually out there in the world. I mean, do you have any, you know, thoughts about that? Any observations from talking to you know hundreds of different cops?
1: Yeah, you know, the um, I'm always like delighted when I'm doing an interview if I don't know beforehand if they say a couple phrases that tease me off that they're a Christian. You know what I mean? The mm-hmm. domination, the denomination doesn't matter, like we said before, but that whole the fact that they are will always in the interview sprout up to how they successfully processed it and where it how it put their mind at peace. So I don't think, like you were saying um, about um, Ch- Chesterton said, and like C.S. Lewis said too, he said, you know, man is a, a vehicle that was designed to run on Christ." and humans want to do nothing more than to it's like putting diesel into a gasoline motor we want to run on ourselves and the the machine putts a few times and then falls over and that's civilization and it just keeps happening (laughs) just that's the cycle um so yeah the guys that i interview that that are do have faith they seem to be uh, much more at peace with the job i think it's uh, the cops i run into in real life and in the show that um that don't a lot of them have um outlets they consider healthy, like they do yoga or or they meditate or they play an instrument or um I'm I i will not tell you where I stand on all those things, but I think playing an instrument instrument is great, you know, like it's some of that stuff's fine, but it's like that they still have that um to me, they might not feel it, but to me it's like hopelessness because it's like they're retiring to get away from all the hopelessness they've seen and it's kind of like baggage on them. <clears throat> and I don't, I, I don't see a way to process that without there being a God without, without a, an intelligent mind, a creator,
0: yeah. you know, w- without understanding that there's a, there's a greater purpose for this life. Right. right. Um,
1: and Like you said, your vocation
0: is yes, part of, is yeah. part
1: of your works. I mean, that's, it's what you do. That's godly. That's a, that's a, do your job and do it well, whether you're a police officer or a janitor or or a teacher. Yeah. You know, it should be Christ-driven.
0: Yeah, and you know, the, the, this even rolls into what you do, right? Like, the, on top of you doing your job as a sergeant um, for your department, you know, this, I think, is contributing to your podcast. It does contribute to not only just other police officers, but people as a whole um, being able to I think part of it is I, I I would, I would be shocked if some police officers like you, you interview them, you almost feel like you're doing therapy with them. Right. Mm-hmm. Because you're, you're there, you're sitting there and going through all these different things that, you know, that they've, they've Absolutely. seen. Right. On top of that, you're, you by collecting these stories are contributing to, you know, the, the greater story here. Right. Like, and, hopefully as christians uh, we are our lives should be oriented to glorify Christ, and there are many ways in which that we can do that um, you know you have a podcast i'm trying to have a podcast um, but you know we, we also do other things outside of that you and i both have families and you know being a good dad is is part of that It helps give us it helps gives us purpose but just like being a police officer, you know, being a, we're not perfect dads, right. You know, I'm right. not, per, not perfect cops. I am, I will hundred percent tell you, I am not the perfect police officer. Um, I'm not the perfect dad. I'm not, uh, one of the things that I do outside of all this, um, is I, I help instruct, um, a couple of different things. I'm not the perfect instructor. <laughs> um, or even though those things that are just not police related at all, um, you know, I'm not the, I'm not the, the perfect X, Y, and Z. But hopefully uh, when I'm doing these practices, I have to keep in mind that I'm doing them in the end to glorify God. And as long as that is the goal, then, you know, I'm, I'm at peace, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So what, so along those lines, have you, have you noticed um, how your podcast have you seen any ways in which you believe that your, you know, your podcast and collecting all these stories has contributed, you know, to the kingdom of God. And it's a very small way for you to to work towards that. But have you, have you noticed anything along those lines while doing this podcast of, you know, anyone ever told you anything or you just kind of noticed something or you might go ahead and expand to that.
1: Great question, man. And I'm kind of embarrassed to say I never, I love that. It's beautiful the way you put it, but I, that will be my new way to look at it. I mean, I everything we do should be like that, but I never really thought about it that way. And there is, there is things. You know, I get emails, a lot of emails. You'll see once you get a bunch of people listening, you'll get emails all the time. And I've gotten emails from people, and believe it or not, they're not Christian or even they're more like agnostic or or they don't believe. And I was always nervous when I when I started the podcast, I kind of never I did here and there. I, I never hid my faith, but I never really like made it part of the conversation. Now it's like, a, a, if I see a hole, a crack, I'll, I'll talk about Christ. Like I'll, I'll talk about my faith and how it's benefited me, um, how it saved me. And I'll get these emails from people and they'll be like, Hey, I'm not, I'm not Christian. I don't have a religion, but I really like, um, that you talk about it. And those are the emails to me where I'm like, weird. They're like, I. They're, it's just something nice about somebody with, um, um. It's commendable that you have that Christian faith and that it's like, you adhere to it and you believe it. No. People like to hear that, and I have to believe that that's got into their heart. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're hearing that and they're, and it's making them think. It's at least planting a seed because they like the show. They seemingly like me, and they hear what drives me you know and besides that i i get just emails just from straight up christians who are like i'm so happy to hear somebody who has an outlet that doesn't shy away from talking about christ that i don't i mean it's like so, sometimes i think i feel like it's like, oh man i'm i really talked for a while about it, but then i'm like you know what i'm happy to i can't worry about turning people off i mean that's a that's an honor right in scripture it says mm-hmm. uh the world's going to reject you so i've even gotten emails from people that um that, you know, I've gotten emails from people in the gay community who said they can't listen anymore. If I'm going to talk about not, um, you know, supporting pride or trans issues or whatever. And I don't take offense. It's, you know, I don't believe in it. It's against my religion. I think it's against the truth. So nothing I can do about it. I even get emails sometimes when people say, um, you know, I, I think you're being a little, you're proselytizing too much. You should back it down. Like you're going to lose people because people don't want to hear it. And I just wrote back, I probably will. I welcome that. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. I'm and not going to be ashamed. Are, the
0: words of St. Ath- Athanasius, um, that the world stands against Christ and I stand against the world. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Like that, yeah, that is, um, the, you know, part of doing this for me is, um, I, I was kind of concerned, um, a, a little bit of a background into, you know, how I got in law enforcement. Um, I wanted to do something with my hands along with doing things in my head. Um, so I, you know, you wanted to pull out. that trigger. Do I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to, to interact with, um, you know, I wanted to interact with the world um, and not just academia. So I really thought I was going to go into academia coming out of college. Um, it's and funny, just,
1: William, can I say that you, um, the way you talk and like your mannerisms and, the amount of knowledge you have about a lot of things, you kind of remind me of a few um, pastors that I know. So <laughs> it kind of makes sense to me because like in the Lutheran faith, anyway, education is a huge thing. And all the yeah. pastors like go to a big, long school. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I see that. Yeah. Well, thank you.
0: Um, but, you know, I, I wanted to to interact with the world, not just through my head. Um, I wanted to interact, you know, with, with my body. Um, and, you know, being a police officer is something that, you know, you you're not just in your head, you're doing stuff. You're out there interacting with the world. Um, and on top of that, uh, I thought that I, and I wanted to go in and, and uh, hopefully one day work for a, uh, a state or a federal level, literal, a federal level agency. So I didn't, I wasn't trying to make waves or say anything controversial because you sure. know, I, I wanted to, you know, get hired, but I'm at the point now where if I, I, I know what I'm doing, is not being mean. I'm not saying anything mean spirited. I'm not saying anything, um, to you know, go drive someone to, you know, do something really bad. I'm in fact, I'm, you know, I'm trying to help police officers, especially, but, you know, other people that may be trying to, that may be trying to find that their purpose in life and inside of their job to find it, in christ able to transfer that but i think police officers especially we'll get into that in just a second police officers especially can try to find their purpose in life in their job and how to direct you know this is something i saw whenever my department is that people would try to find their purpose in their job and you can't do that and and, you know i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about that in just a minute but i'm decided that i was tired of sitting around and kind of just you know oh, I'm not gonna say anything because maybe this agency won't hire me or maybe XY and Z I'm at the point where you know what is what it is if someone doesn't hire me because of, of what I'm saying okay that's fine um and I I think that this message is more important than a paycheck or a a um a, you know a better job but what but you know the, the point the whole reason this whole thing started is I noticed that, especially coming from someone who um, has a, a very sacramental faith, um, being a police officer is in some ways, it is quasi sacramental. Um, you know, we, we do certain things that are religion-esque. They're not religious, they're religion-esque. They're like religion. And, you know, we've talked about this before when we have halls of the dead, like we have pictures of police officers in our agency that have died, that have died in line of duty. Saints. And yeah, yeah, exactly. Saints, um, our version of saints. Or we have, um, the, we talked about this again, we have relics. I've talked about over and over the, the in, encased duty belt that we have of one of the um, police officers that died in line of duty in our department. Sure. Um, but we know we also have a, a rank and an order um, to our department. Um, on top of that, police officers have to have a moral sense. We know that we're we're fighting towards something. We're fighting towards order. We're fighting towards not you know getting getting rid of the chaos, uh, getting rid of the crime, and that that's a good thing. It is not the good thing. It is not the our purpose, our telos um, in life, but it is it is a good thing to do. So it's, it's religion esque. Um, and you know, I, I have even noticed in the past couple of years, police officers, especially, um, I, 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 I'm kind of hesitant to use this word, but you know, we're in some ways persecuted now because, um, I, I mean, I've, I know a couple of people that, you know, won't talk to me anymore because I'm a police officer. Yeah. Um, or, or, you know, you get judged because explicitly just because of the job that you do. Um. And so that, that has kind of uh, even more that has, I've noticed that has built some kind of camaraderie in in our department between each other um, that, you know, overrides the, how personally you may not like someone because we know that, you know, the, it, it's not as bad. Where where I am, but in some places the demons are at the gates. The demons are going in and burning down, um, or, you know precincts. Yeah, burning down precincts. You know, def, you know defunding entire police departments. Um, and and so there there is this, there's like the, all these religious esque elements. But you know, if you're a police officer and you're listening to this, I want you to get across that this is a good thing, but it is not the good thing. It is. And you are only going to find your a true peace in knowing um, your purpose in life by understanding that at the end of the day, it may be a day, tomorrow, a hundred years, a thousand years, um, but understanding that Christ has died on the cross and He is coming again to redeem all of us, to judge all of us. That is the only way that, you know, we, we can find that that we can find hope Um, because it it ends this, this circular view of the world. It ends this view that, that um, we're always going to be chaotic and, you know, we're, we're always going to fight, you know, we're, we're always going to have the same problems in the world and that, you know, life is just this circular motion, it it makes everything an arrow, right? We, we have a yeah. beginning and we have an end, um, and that's only where you can, you can find peace.
1: Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, they, I mean, they, man was made to worship and to yes. worship and glorify God. So if yeah. you're not, if you're not worshiping, glorifying God, if you don't have Christ, then it will become your job or some other thing yeah. it w- will be your total obsession, you know? Yeah and it can't be, you know,
0: um, that we can't find, you know, this job is, is, is not our purpose. It's a good thing. You know, keep being a cop. You know, we need more people doing it, but you, if you're at that point in your, if you're at that point in your, uh, like the, the way you only think about police stuff and you're a cop twenty four seven. That's just not good for you. That's that's that is a disordered life. Um, and I'm I'm sure that you know you've seen plenty of people across the spectrum, um, or like you know for all the people you've interviewed. Um, I know you've you you've know, kept up with a few of them. I'm sure there's some people that are, you know, cop all the time, or even there's people in your department that are cop all the time. Um, But, you know, there's, at the end of the day, there's no hope in that, unfortunately. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Give me thoughts.
1: No, I agree. And you do see it in police work because it is, it is one of those, it's a, it's a noble ancient profession that you can really uh, tie your buggy to. You know, you can, you can let it envelop your whole life. You can. I mean, there's, right down to the statutes, you're a police officer, 24 hours a day. You can walk out of your house, make an arrest and plain clothes. You can, you can really take that on. You can really, I know guys that are, um, ups badge and gun off duty. They're ready to go and they will do it. I'm afraid they would do it with a kid with them. You know what I mean? They're, they're that into what they're doing. And like you said, they have no, there's no separation from who they are. it's just, it, that is the, and they, and it comes from a, you know, a, maybe twisted, but like good place. Like they think this is, you know, this is my, this is my ultimate purpose. So I'm going to do it to the end degree. And, and those, those people become great Christians when they get, when they're called, you know, they're, yes, <laughs> um, yeah. they have the heart for it, but yeah, you, you're absolutely right. Yeah.
0: Um, well, we're getting close to the end here. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to get into, um, uh, because you're all the time interviewing other people. But, um, you're hardly interviewed. Um, and one of the things that I wanted to ask you because, um, you asked this on your podcast, I wanted to ask it to you. What is the craziest story that you
1: have from your personal career? All right. There's, there's a few to pick from. Um, I'm going to go with like more of like a humorous kind of crazy one. Cause I, cause I just, I really like this story. So it's, um, St. Patty's, uh, Midnight shift, overnight shift, just me and uh, a sergeant and another patrolman on. And this was when I worked on the coast of Cape Cod and we get this call that there's a guy driving, there's sparks coming from his wheels going down the highway. So St. Paddy's, I'm like, all right, guys, probably, you know, obviously drunk. We have big granite curbings, So probably hit that. By the time I find him, he's far Southern part of town. And he's driven into. We had a big rotary at the south end of town where it went into um, the town below us. Cape is like linear because it's there's no board, the bordering towns are you know there's only there's ocean on either side, so here you can only go one way. So this is south, and he's driven right up over the curbing into the the rotary area is a couple couple 300 feet wide. In the middle, there's a marsh. used to be Jeremiah's gutter. So if you look at old literature, old history, the British actually came through there from Rock Harbor over to Town Cove in Orleans. So it was like a canal, a small canal you could use to get from the ocean to the bay, Cape Cod Bay. So anyways, we filled that all in, built a rotary in a highway and put a Wendy's there and the whole thing. And now there's like a marsh. The last part of Jeremiah's gutter is this marsh in the middle. And we always say, people, you're going to kill somebody, throw them into that marsh so he almost makes it to that so i come up to him and he's got uh he's all disheveled shirts buttoned wrong he's got his teeth are all stained purple you know from drinking wine and he's like this he's really small this kind of like scraggly beard disheveled hair and he's clearly intoxicated and uh i go how you doing what happened and he's like uh I, i just uh I got lost here in Cape Cod and I, I can't, uh, I can't figure out where I'm going. I, I went someplace I shouldn't have went and they didn't, uh, I was rejected and I can't find my way home. I'm like, okay. So at this point I've had enough of the story. I'm like, I'll get the rest from him later. Field sobriety bombs, arrest him. So he starts telling me in the ride back to the station. Well, if I'm, if I'm being honest, I do a lot of surfing on, um on couple swap pages. i'm like yeah he's like yeah yeah so like there's some guys that um really like to you know share their wife and i'm like oh my goodness so i'm like "Uh uh-huh he's like well i got there and uh i guess they weren't didn't really like me but they felt bad so we drank like three bottles of wine and then the husband kicked me out made me leave so I'm, I'm feeling really bad for the guy at this point. I'm like, first of all, your lifestyle is trash. Um, you know, you, you can't even make it in the tuck holding scene. Like you're being rejected. Yeah. <laughs> so my Sergeant searches, does an inventory in the car and in the car, um, I fingerprint him with the other officer. We, we book and put him in a cell and my Sergeant's like, why don't you come into the interview room? I I want to show you what I found in this car. So he shows me there is our interview Interview rooms like 8 by 10 The entire place is filled with sex toys. Like, a- anything you can imagine. One of them, like, screws onto the top of a uh, champagne bottle. I'm like, <laughs> wow. what is this disaster? And then he had a little um, USB uh, keychain um, with his keys. And I, of course, this is before they even started talking about needing a warrant for this stuff. So I just plugged it in the computer. And it's all these, um, agreements or, um, waivers for all kinds of like, you know, you can, you can imagine deviant, uh, yeah. se- sexual encounters. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the guy basically looks like a troll. So it's like, I wonder if this guy's, this has ever worked out for this guy. <laughs> and long story short, he was so embarrassed that he just pled out. He, he didn't want to go. His, his brother was a lawyer, but he didn't want to go to trial because he didn't want everybody to hear about it. Um, so that was kind of like a really bizarre and, and funny story. I thought the other one, well, I have, I don't want to go too, um, too over the top, like too gory. I mean, it's up to you, but Uh, I'll stop you if it gets too bad. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we had a car like this one's more just like sad. We had a car, uh, on the highway up North, just left a bar. I was at a a B and investigation and the crime scene guy was there taking pictures. We get this call about this bad car wreck and we get there and the highway's kind of built up at this point. And then about 15 feet below, there's a arcade and family restaurant thing and parking spots. And there's a, there's a Miata perfectly in one of the parking spaces down below. And I can see my partners down there already. And as I'm, I'm looking at the car and it does, I can see the it's banged up. I'm like, why is it? What is going on? They said it was a wreck, but this thing is like, you know, the, the music's on, the headlights are on. It's a convertible Miata. And as I'm walking to the, get close to the car, I'm on the far side of the building. It's kind of a long building. And there's this couple there up against the, um, the building. And the woman's face is, you know, the face just like green, white, just washed nice. out. Like she's going to, she's going to go down. And, uh, I said, are you guys okay? Before I'm even at the scene, I'm like, are you okay? And the husband told me really quickly, we're we're actually both um, psychiatrists. We live in Boston. And we." he's like, this car went off that guardrail and corkscrewed in the air and landed in that parking spot. And what's inside the car is why my wife is passing out. And I'm like, good to know. So I make sure she has a seat, you know, so she doesn't hit the pit. And then we have two problems, you know, I walk over to my buddy and there's this 22 year old girl and she is, her body is still in the car, but she she had her belt on. So when it rolled over, her body's all broken around the top of the seat, just like, like from a horror movie, you know? And what happened when she was buckled in and when she corkscrewed the first time, she hit her head because she's in the convertible on the pavement and it just knocked the top of her head off. Oh. So and she's there, and I'll never forget like Shania Twain is blaring. You know, it's like it's yes. surreal, you know what I mean? And the car's like starting to smoke, and I'll never forget there was a it was a time of year when people starting to use their wood stoves. So the neighbors across the highway the wood stove was kind of like going down into the little depression we were in and that smell for years. Every time I smell the wood stove, I, I thought about this.
0: So she's you know, the, the smell, right? Once again, the, yeah.
1: people, yeah, the smells actually mean something, right? Yeah. Sorry. Keep going. Absolutely. Yeah. So that like, so then we get there and that's what we have. Um, and then, so we're kind of me and my buddy are like, well, there's, and then the Sergeant shows up. So there's three of us. And we're like, well, we'll just, we'll get accident recon on the way and paramedics to pronounce her and the the whole thing. Um, and then we're sitting, we're sitting there and I'm talking with the sergeant and he's like, uh, need you to do something. Need you to do the notification. I'm like, okay. He says, uh, she's up the turn, the town north of us need you go tell her mom. It's her mom's car. She borrowed it for the night girl drives a big like suburban she borrowed mom's little miata because it's fun got hammered at a local bar so i go up there and uh luckily another officer was on um up there because smaller communities he came with me and we knocked on the door this is probably i've done a, a bunch of death notifications but nothing um like this immediate and someone this young and i knock on the door and it's her mom And, like a lot of people, like when you give a death notification, they like, there's this light shock that kind of goes over them. Either they can explode and break down, or they kind of look at you like, what? And you have to repeat it. So, we went and sat down on the couch with the mom, and she starts asking questions like, should I call into work tomorrow? Should I call out? Like, do you think I'll be able to go to work? And I'm like, she's clearly just like, discombobulated. While we're talking, a four-year-old comes out of the bedroom and it's the girl who died's kid. And it was a long, we spent like an hour there helping her make phone calls and trying to save it later for her to tell the kid, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't want to, like, I'm not going to tell the kid too. Like, so that was one of those calls that where it's like just an, an ordinary night on patrol. I was at a B and and then this event happened that was like, it really, I mean, it bothered me. We debriefed about it and everything, but it was, that bothered me for some time. Yeah,
0: It's the, it's the nights and the calls that you never think anything's going to go down that it really goes down. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. Well, Steve, um, if you could answer two questions for me in one, where can we find, um, your podcast and you know, your show, all that that's number one. The second one is, do you have any parting words, final advice uh, to our listeners?
1: Yeah, I can do both those. Podcast is easy. com. It's a website I maintain. has all the stuff. Uh, if you want to be a guest, I'm always looking for more coppers. We'll hit you up again for some friends. Yeah, um, yeah you can scroll down. All the episodes are there. And then just, it's a, everywhere you can get podcasts. Spotify, Apple, Google. Um,
0: and I'll Apple. include a, a link in, in this episode, so... Yeah, we've got you cover there.
1: Oh, thank you. And what I would say is um, for parting advice, I'll make twofold, if that's okay. If you're for podcasters, I'd like to talk to. Um, if you have a mission like you're just starting out on or you have something you really believe in, um, you'll get your audience. You'll find the people that need to hear it. I believe that. Um, my podcast struggled for a few years. But i found, I found now I have this network of people. Um, and it's really, I get emails from people that like, were on the fence about being a cop and listen to you guys tell your stories. I mean, I hear stories that are like my stories are, I hope they were all right, but they're not, they're nothing compared to what some of these people come on and tell. You know, it's like mm-hmm. some, some people tell stories. I, I I'm like, could I even live through that? You know what I mean? <laughs> Their good stuff is ridiculous, but, I'll get an email and the person will be like, yeah, I wasn't even going to, I was, I wasn't going to do it. And then I just heard all these people talk about it and I'm, I'm in Academy right now. And that's the best email, you know, cause um, they almost treat it like a ride along. You know what I mean? They, they really love to show that way. And then I would say for, um, for police officers, I would say just we're all investigators, right? From patrolman to whatever rank you owe it to yourself to at least investigate the resurrection, at least look into historical documents. Look at all the times the Bible was proved right by archeology. span Look at all the times science thought it had the Bible and then the Bible proved itself again. It's happened so many times. The historicity of the resurrection in, in Christian and secular world is there. Um, there's no real good explanation for all these people doing this and dying for it, unless they saw it. Um, and don't, don't, don't not look into it. Just, just take a look at it and question the bigger things in life. Get off your rails a little bit and really think about where's your life headed. What's the, what's the, cause if, if the point really is just to get a job and make money and like spend all your hours, you're not working just for pleasure, for, for carnal pleasure then there's really no point to anything. And what's, what's to stop somebody from just like selling children as sex slaves. So what, what do you care? What's your, what's your, you know, what's your bearing? What's your, yeah. what do you really believe in? So yeah.
0: why are you doing your job?
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I would, I would say that is, I don't want to be, you know, over the top, but it's like, I wish people would do that. Cause it, that's really, it's really, um, life changing. And I know there's, there's detectives out there. Homicide detectives i have written books. One of them's in California who looked deeply into the resurrection and is now like a very faithful Christian. So um, don't think that, cause don't think you have it all figured out. Cause I'm guarantee you there's people I know for a fact, there's people much smarter and have much more worldly wisdom than you that came to the truth.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's something that, I have to stress over and over um, to you know, myself and other people is that people who are much smarter than both you and I have believed these things, and there's a good reason for that. You know, Aquinas, C.S. Lewis. I mean, you could just go down everywhere in history. There's probably there are many people way more smarter than both you and I that uh, have you know believed these things. Steve, huge thanks to you for coming on. Remember, if you want to find this podcast, you can look up. Remaining Sane PC at Twitter. That's at Remaining Sane PC. Or you can email Remaining Sane Podcast at gmail.com. Once again, that's Remaining Sane Podcast at gmail.com. Have a blessed rest of your day.